Are you well? Fantastic. I had a great Christmas break. Anybody else? Lazy. It was fantastic. Wonderful. I've got, oh, it's up there. Fantastic. We're starting a new series today. Um, if you don't know, if you're new, I'm Jared. I'm the minister here. And uh, Chris, who was up brilliant leading this morning, Chris. And a really nice acoustic kind of set this morning with just the keyboard, wasn't it? I just love being in God's presence. So uh, really great morning. And uh, thank you, Chris and Phil and Heather. Uh, I'm, I'm Jared. I'm the, the minister here. And we're just starting a new series called Living the Dream. I like a good hypey title. All right. But actually, the content is rather more practical than that. But I believe God wants us to live our dreams, not just dream our dreams. Who knows that how a thing feels is not how the announcement felt. You know, when you read a book about revival, you realize it didn't actually feel like that. So there's a big move of God in Pensacola quite a few years ago. The, the fact that I remember most was they spent $10,000 a month on toilet paper. As in life is really practical. And so we're beginning a series that will go on through this month about how we really live out the dreams that God's got for us. And we'll be uh, unveiling a few things that we're going to be doing this year um, and really building on all that's happened in the past. We're in a good place. Uh, for some of us, it, it would be uh, those that are in Revived Church, was new life. Know that we had, in some ways, a difficult year last year. But actually, it is great to know the practical realities are we're bigger than we've ever been before right now. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. Numerically, we've got more members across the region than ever before. And here's a, a, a great sign of health. These things aren't necessarily a sign of health, but they can be. And that's that our finances are going up and they're bigger than they've ever been before. In fact, we're having to enter a new level of auditing. Isn't that a good sign of health? It means that we're here, we're on mission together, we're running together in the things of God, and uh, in many ways, I still feel we've only just started. Amen? So let's keep going in the adventure that God's got for us, and not just dreaming the dream, living the dream. That's a lot more practical, it's a lot more about perseverance, it's a lot more about the realities of life, and there's three little words there, and I'm sorry for non-Twitter fans, but I've hashtagged them. So I thought, shall I do little quote marks or what? I thought, well, you can all pretend to be in the Twitterati. Here's my three words for this year. And knowing me, this will come up again and again. It's funny how last year I preached, be bold, be strong, and boy, did we need it. Okay, persevere and all those kind of words. Well, I just believe in this year, we're gonna, we're gonna grow to be stronger. So we've got to keep being strong. Strength never ends. It doesn't end at crossing the Jordan. You realize there's city after city to take. There's problems to solve, people to reach, financial things to overcome, conflicts to beat, but we'll get through and we'll be stronger with Jesus. Amen. Who needs to be stronger this coming year? All right. I don't want to avoid trials. I want to learn to bash through them. Because God is interested in making me like Christ, not just giving me a happy time. I want to be happy because I'm strong, not happy because I'm avoiding things. Okay, so stronger, closer. Uh, I remember Sharon Stone, uh, the prophet, not the actress, prophesied uh, in the autumn that there was like a lasso was going to come around us and pull us together. And I've really felt, especially over the last four months, God drawing us together in a way that we've not been before. And I'd encourage you to make sure you're pointing in the right direction for that because I know that many of us are feeling that we're coming together. And I believe this is a year of getting even closer. And then the last one, and this is where I want to go this morning, is wiser. You know, having skills of wisdom is incredibly powerful. A sharp knife requires less effort. The same goes for a sharp soul. 
the sharper your soul, the sharper your wisdom, the sharper your mind, the easier life will be. You will require less strength to do more if you're sharp. Turn to the person next to you and say, be sharp. Be sharp. Tell them, live the dream in 2015. And then go, ho, 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 it rhymes. Oh dear, I know it's dreadful, but there you go. Stronger, closer, wiser. So I want to talk, and it's great that Chris has been um, talking about rebuilding the city, rebuilding the house, because my theme for today is this. Just follow me through with the next slide, if you will. My theme is this, wisdom builds a house. Life is not just about strength or gift or even truth. Wisdom is the correct application of truth what to do with what you've got. The Bible tells you what to do with what you've got. And the Bible shows us wisdom builds a house, actually tells us that also folly tears it down. We are here to build a house on Kingswood, build a house in Goole, build a house in Driffield, build a house in Harlem, wherever God leads us, to build a heavenly house. Now you can take this morning for you personally, take it for the church, take it for your workplace, take it for your home, doesn't matter, works everywhere. The book of Proverbs, which is where we're going to live today, teaches us how to build a house wisely, how to do well with what you've got. And so we're going to be reading scripture. The Bible is going to do most of the stuff this morning. Is that all right? A lazy preach from me. We're going to read together and we're going to look at what the Bible says. And we're just going to use it to apply it to our lives because nothing is going to set you up in life like wisdom. When Solomon was getting ready to lead, he asked for one thing, not more riches, not more strength, not more energy, not better ideas. He said, oh God, give me wisdom because I'm young and inexperienced. And now you might be 80 and you might feel experienced, but in God's eyes, 80 is still a young spring chicken. Amen. 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 So I don't think Alpha does end at 80. I think if you're 86, you still get in. If you're 92, you still get in. And uh, uh, so, uh, oh, the air con's on now. Anybody cold? You just put your jacket on. It's like cinema in it. I came in and it was boiling. I said, can you turn the air con on? It's my fault. I'm sorry. Anyway, wisdom builds a house. So we're going to do some reading and we're going to do some commenting. And in the next half hour, we're going to grow in the Bible. Is that all right? That's what we're here to do. We're Christians. So it might not be very flowery, but it can be powerful if you let the word of God go deep down into you. So shall we read this entire page? When we do reading, don't read the title. That's just the title of the message today. Wisdom's going to build your house. So let's read together. Is All of the verses are from Proverbs today. Okay, so let's read. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. Wow. How are we going to rebuild? Let me tell you, we're going to rebuild through wisdom. Wisdom is the correct application of truth. The book of Proverbs tells us that that men have paths in life. Say, I have paths. You have pathways that you take. You have mental pathways, ways of thinking. You have physical pathways, ways of behavior or acting. You have relational pathways. And God says he looks at our pathways and some of our paths are folly and some of our paths are wisdom. 
Wisdom builds a house, folly tears it down. Who wants good paths? Right. It begins with this, and it kind of needs to be said, but shouldn't have to be said, is we're not all automatically wise. Common sense is not wisdom. We need to learn to be wise. That requires humility. That requires that even if you are 80 or 44, which is a wonderful age, or 23 or 16, you need to go, I don't know it all. I want to know God's ways and know God's thoughts. Why? Because wisdom builds a house. Okay? So the Bible, which has been standing for 5,000 years and bringing blessing to communities for 5,000 years, teaches us how to live and wisdom builds a house. The Bible tells us that if we are wise, then just in Proverbs, this is, we'll have long life, prosperity, peace, honor, generational blessing, protection. God will be our shield, our guard, our preserver. We'll have promotion and good relationships. And that's just the beginning. I mean, I had to leave out so many scriptures from this talk. Wisdom brings so much blessing into our lives. So let's get wise for 2015. Go to the next slide, would you? I'm still on my introduction. I love this. The seven pillars of wisdom for relationships. I could have done the seven pillars of, of wisdom for influence or prosperity or the seven pillars of moral excellence or the seven pillars of promotion or the seven pillars of health. They're all in there. Today, I'm going to do the seven pillars of relationships. How to build happy home relationships, church relationships, friend relationships, work relationships. Wisdom builds a house. I love the little scripture. It's a couple of times in Proverbs. It says, wisdom cries out. Wisdom shouts out to us. And here in, uh, in Proverbs, I'll just read this one because I've not got it up there. It's from Proverbs 1 and it's verse 20 and it says, wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public square. You'll always find wisdom is a she in the Bible. Matt, don't look at your women right now, men. Wisdom's a she. There you go. Probably folly is a he. I don't know. I haven't looked it up. Mother God, it'll be in here somewhere. Anyway, let's not go there. It's not the New Methodist hymn book. Anyway, um, at the head, <coughs> I'm going to get in trouble, of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateway of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored my advice and would not accept my rebuke, in turn, I will laugh at your disaster. Mock at you when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelms you. Didn't Jesus say, build on the rock and your house will last the storm? Build on the sand, you'll crash. The only similarity is that both were built. Both had storms. But what you stood on makes all the difference. The end of the chapter goes on to say, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Isn't that fantastic? The seven pillars for wisdom in relationships. So we're going to do those and we're going to do some reading. Is that okay? Let's get on with it. We've got lots to do this morning. So just follow me through. Is that okay? I'll just keep going with them and, and uh, I'll make a few comments on each one. The first thing that wisdom cries aloud to us is guard your heart. Look after yourself. 
Guard your heart. Let's read it from the top to the bottom. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring all the issues of life. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. By pride comes nothing but strife. It says, guard your heart, wisdom cries out. To guard means to preserve, to watch over, to keep. Don't give away your heart. There are powers, there are influences, there are, there are enemies who seek to infect and influence our heart. And we'd be fools to think it wouldn't happen to me. I mean, that's what I think. I've got to think, I'm fairly honest, I'm fairly open, I'm fairly real with God. I couldn't get offended. <laughs> then I discovered I can. I discovered there is an ounce of pride in me. Anyone else going to be as honest as me? Yeah. We're all in the same boat. Cooper, guard your heart. Why? Because out of your heart is going to flow everything in life. Now, John 7 says, let it be streams of living water. Let it be the vibrancy of the Holy Spirit, the goodness of God. But who knows that instead of energy, dullness can flow inside of us. Instead of fear, faith. Sorry, instead of faith, other way around, fear can flow inside of us. We've got to guard our hearts because it isn't automatic to have a clean river flowing in you. You can flow with a polluted river, a bitter river that makes you hardened. Oh God, keep me from a hard heart. Anybody? Yes. Turn to the person next to you say, you too. Yes. Keep, keep yourself from a hard heart. Why? Because calamity follows a hard heart. I'm going to say soft. I'm going to be humble on purpose. In fact, the only way to be humble is to be humble on purpose. Because pride is the only thing that comes automatic. Anybody? Why? Because the whole world is broken. We're all a little bit fallen. And we need to get ourselves before God and say, God, look after my heart. Amen? Um, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Do you know the secret of how to overcome offense? Pray for those who've offended you every single day. Every time that thought comes back, the thing you should have said, the thing you should have done, pray for them. Lord bless them. You see, you've kind of got this tension in your heart. Don't think, well, I'm being false. No, the reality is you've got two sides inside of you fighting it out. Good, bad. It is like the little demons on the shoulder and the little angel on the other one. Listen, there's a tension inside of you. The Bible calls it the flesh and the spirit. And we've got to go, no, soul, we're going to live for God. Let's pray for those. Listen, you got a few enemies in life? It means you're standing up for something. you got no enemies? That's a bit weird. You've got to be standing up for something in life. You're blessed when you're persecuted. You're blessed when people speak ill of you. So next time someone speaks ill of you, go, I'm blessed. Thank you. Thank you. I pray for you and bless you that you bless my life in such a way to speak ill of me. Hallelujah. That's not how it feels, but that's what we need to do. Amen. Um, listen, offense, uh, John Bevere's book puts it so well. He calls it the bait of Satan. Yeah. Something to get offended over, and I'll put a little hook inside of it, is called a snare, a trap. If I can get you offended and hard-hearted, I've got you. So let me just throw a few things, and who knows, you'll get a few things most days. And if you're a bit thin-skinned, you might get it every hour. So God, keep us from offense. Why? Because it only destroys us. Bitterness, 
anger, resentment. It's like taking poison, expecting the other person to, to die. Doesn't work that way. It's poison to ourselves. Amen. The bottom verse says, by pride comes nothing but strife. Strife is contention, debate, struggle, ruin, conflict, bitter disagreement, discord, quarrel, bickering. At the root of all strife is pride. Humble people are never in strife. That got so many amens. It's only our pride that makes us fight. Jesus said, no, I'll get up on the cross and I'll die for them. And said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Can we follow our great example? I surrender all. Christians don't tell lies, they just sing them. I surrender all. It means I don't care what you've done. I'm going to love you. Nikki Cruz, or, was it, or David Wilkerson, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces uh, on, in, in the rough ganglands of wherever it was, New York. And he replied, in every piece will say, I love you. Yeah. Like, oh boy, that's Christianity. Yeah. Amen. I will guard my heart. Let's go to the next one. The next one thing that wisdom cries out is, I embrace correction. Are you loving this morning already? Yeah. You guys have got it. I embrace correction. Let's read it. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. A scoffer does not love the one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. Where there's no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright, there is favor. Do you know the spirit of the age at the moment is rebellion? Its core is, I want to be significant, but independent. And how dare you speak to me? Chris did a wonderful pathway. And in fact, it's in the latest magazine. It talks about attend member disciple lead. Do you know the pathway there? Make sure you get your latest magazine on the way out today. Attend, member, disciple, lead. You know, at the level of attend and even at the level of member, it isn't a very deep relationship. And so there's never much of this going on. But when you get into disciple and lead, we're in the true uh, uh, sphere of real relationships, which means that someone might turn around and go, could you not do that? Or here's a better way to do that. You know, People don't leave churches over theology. They leave it over offense and often because of this issue. But let me tell you, wisdom will build you a house. And this is part of it. I am open to be corrected. I'm open for feedback. I'm, every one of us has got to be. Sometimes Zach says things to me and I swallow hard and say, you're five and I'm 44. Get in your room. You know, then I take a bit of a walk and I go, darn it, he's right. Even worse, Vicky says things to me. Can you believe it? She, I'm a man of God for heaven's sake. And she, and she actually corrects me. My mum still corrects me. That's not allowed. Wisdom builds a house. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Listen, we've got to be correctable. I think the modern term is feedback. We accept feedback. Don't do it like this. Do it like that. Do you know the impression that you made there? Do you know when we get into f uh, the world of feedback where we can go, somebody can go, 
That's just unacceptable. Then we know we're in real relationships. Not just in a club, not just a work colleague, but we're in real relationships. You see, understand this. Discipline is not disapproval. It's discipleship. Correction is not rejection. It's protection. I'll say it again because I'm preaching really good. And I really appreciate the three of you that are nodding. (laughs) Discipline is not disapproval. Actually, God says, it's because I love you that I'll discipline you. Why? Because I'm going to save you from stuff. I'm going to help you build a house instead of ruin your house. How many people go round and round the same mountain, objecting to everyone that says stuff to them? Listen, humility accepts correction. It'll build you a house. Correction is not rejection, it's protection. I know you love me when you come and say, oh, please, I'm going to have a good Sunday afternoon now. Do you know that you wanted some correction, Jared? Well, here you go. (laughs) Hey, here's what's going to happen down the road if you carry on like this. Why? Because some people have been there. They might be younger, but they've been down that road. And they're able to say, well, when I went down that road, here's what happened. Listen, this is wisdom. Accept correction. When you get to the, mem- to the discipleship and the lead end of our family, there are going to be conversations. If you throw a wobbler at that point, you'll miss your destiny. Amen? You'll miss your destiny. It's funny, when we're children, children think their dads are heroes. They're just wonderful. They can do no wrong. I'm still at that place with Zach, I have to say. He's five. I give him another couple of years. Um, I can do no wrong. I could beat everyone in a fight, according to him. You know, I'm fantastic. But I know the teenage years will set in when I can do no right. You know, everything I say is embarrassing. Oh, Dad. You know, that kind of thing will probably come, won't it? But then you get into adulthood where you realize your father isn't perfect, but you love him. And what you are is in real relationship. Let's wind that back and do that for church. When you're a child, when people walk into church, they go, oh, it's all wonderful. Oh, Jared, you're amazing. I love that, see, that, that time that they're in because it doesn't happen very often. Oh, Jared, oh, this church is just so fancy. Fancy meeting in a cinema. Oh, oh, wonderful. I'm like, oh, great, fantastic, lovely. I wonder how long it'll last. Anyway, because I know the teenage years are coming when suddenly the church can do no right. But then adulthood is, I know it's not perfect, but it's home and it's my family and I'm here. Don't get stuck in the sulky middle. Grow up because wisdom builds a house. Let's go for the next one. The third one. The third thing that wisdom cries out is I choose my friends wisely. Let's read it together. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the wicked, the way of the wicked leads them astray. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your own soul. He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Go from the presence of a foolish man, when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. Cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. I, the, 
These are some of my life verses, and I've said it again and again, I've preached it again and again. You will live in the land of your associations and your conversations. You get those two right and you'll live well. Iron sharpens iron. I was tweeting this this week. I suddenly thought, you know, iron doesn't always sharpen iron. It only sharpens iron if it's at just the right angle. At the wrong angle, iron will blunt iron. And so a friend going in the wrong direction will make you more dull, not more sharp. What direction are your friends going in? Because you'll become like those you hang out with. Now listen, we minister to everyone. We care for everyone. But I make friendship, which is the language of bonding and connection and covenant and loyalty and walking with. And to be honest, in friendship, it's the time when I let down my guard and allow things into my heart. That is why it says, do that carefully because you will be led astray. And don't think it's going to be everyone but me. Brian Houston was telling a story recently of, of a minister that he used to meet from his city. And he would uh, meet him for a coffee and they'd chat. And he said, but as the years went on, this man got more and more negative. And he said, listen, you might find it harsh if you don't realize you have to choose friends, not just live with them. You make a decision about friendship. And he said, you might not understand it, but I remember vividly the day on the street corner outside the coffee shop when I shook that man's hand and in my mind I knew that's the last time we're doing coffee. Why? He says, because you don't think it will, but it infects you. Jesus put it like this, it's yeast that goes through the batch of dough. Don't think that what's in them doesn't get in you and it will dull you. Let me tell you, you need to be as sharp as you can be in life. It's hard enough without being dull. You'll feel it in your passion for prayer. You'll feel it in your intimacy for worship. Don't let others pull you back. You want to be around people that push you forward. Wisdom builds a house. Amen. Jeremiah said, I sat alone because your hand was upon me. I'd rather be alone than be in the company of fools, he said. Jesus said, now this is, this is a pretty straight one. He sat there with people around him and he's teaching them. And his mother and brothers come outside and say, tell him to come out here. And he says this, who are my mother and brothers? These who do the will of my father. In other words, he was saying, listen, if you're not with me, you're against me. I'm going on a journey. I can't have a friend pointing in the wrong direction. I can minister to you, but I will not align with you. Why? Because you will affect and infect me. Catch this. You choose your friends. You don't just live with them. Amen? So we need to know how to do that and to do it well. So wisdom cries out, I choose my friends wisely. Let's do the next one. Wisdom cries out, I love truth. I love truth. Let's read it together. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Put away from you.
that's two versions of that last verse. Wisdom loves truth. It says at the top, buy the truth and don't sell it. Don't sell the truth for gossip. Don't sell the truth for slander. I won't swap the truth for an easy life. Like Pilate, wash my hands. Oh, nothing to do with me. No, I want truth. Because you cannot build relationships of trust on anything but truth. And slander is the destroyer of good relationships. Wisdom loves truth. I've got a revelation for you. You ready for it? It's going to transform your world. Even Christians tell lies. Can you believe it? Never, he says. Can't believe it. Even Christians says, listen, because a half-truth is a lie. A twisted, exaggerated truth to get the blame away from me and onto you is a lie. Cooper, don't do it. Setting something up to put a wedge between you two so I can be closer to you and get you out of the way is a lie. And these things destroy kingdom relationships. But a wise person loves truth because lies bring strife and discord. Um, <laughs> conscious uncoupling. <laughs> Who coined that? Well, we're going to say Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin, aren't we, for now? <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? Listen, slander uncouples your heart from someone that you're meant to be connected to. Let me talk church for a minute. Ephesians 4 tells us that we're meant to be connected to leaders in a healthy wholesome, non-abusive relationship. Slander will uncouple your heart from a leader. And you go through Ephesians 4, you'll find that maturity and blessing and the fullness of God is found in a healthy leader-follower relationship. Slander destroys that. Rick Warren says, gossip has the capacity to destroy a church. It's very powerful, and it is, in the Bible, one of the reasons you can be thrown out of church. Along with big things like adultery and swindling, gossip and slander, they say, leave. Now, I'm thankful that we've not thrown anyone out of this church in years. But the reality is, slander is a destroyer of a powerful kingdom dynamic, because this isn't a work-colleague relationship. This isn't a club. I strike my card as I come through and I'm a member. No, this is a divine building made up of people. And the cement between us is our trust. And God lives in the trust between us. Not just between me and you, but between all of us. Trust builds the house of God. Slander destroys it. Half-truths destroy it. Whispers destroy it. And so love truth and it will build the house of God. Amen? And sometimes it's not a conscious uncoupling, it's an unconscious one. I go up to some people sometimes and I'm chatting with them and everything's fine. And then another time I'll go to them a month later and I look in their eyes and I go, something's different. They've thought something, heard something, someone said something, and now I've lost that connection. That is an evil destroyer of God's body. Do not believe half-truth. Bottom line, the person who tells one side of a story seems right until someone comes and asks questions. The amount of time someone comes and huffs and puffs to me, did you know what so-and-so said and what so-and-so did and that they thought this and they're going through that, so I'm, I'm off to see them now and I go and see them and I get over there and go, I've heard that you're this, you're that, the other, and they go, 
it's not that big a deal. You know, if you add an extra huff and a puff to what this person said, you've turned it into a lie. If you've exaggerated it, you're bringing it into the realm of making it more. Brian Houston says also this, I've discovered when somebody says, everyone says, it's usually two and at a maximum three people. He's got a church of say 30,000 and somebody comes up and three people have said stuff and they're going, pastor, everyone's saying. Because we have that feeling, if we talk to three people and one of them's usually us in the middle of it, we're normally one of the three, and three people all saying, do you find the music's too loud? Whatever, I'm just picking something off the cuff. Please don't go there. Um, <laughs> and we go, everyone said, why? Listen, oh, dethrone drama queens. Dethrone the huffers and the puffers. Let's get sensible. Let's get wise. Let's get truth orientated. Let's, let's give each other, give a good impression of each other. And we will build a house in wisdom. The huffing, the puffing, the half truth, the slander, the exaggeration will destroy a house. But if we build on truth, if we build on trust, we will have a house. We will rebuild the ancient ruins. Amen. So the next one. I hate strife. Why? Because, well, the lies lead to it and, and all that kind of... Let's read it anyway. Hatred stirs up strife, but love... Oh, that last line, whisperers, separate the best of friends. It's an evil. You'll find that when you get disunited, your prayers stop being answered. It's all over the New Testament. Unity and power in prayer are connected together. Whispering in dark corners is evil. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool vents all his feelings. Restraint is such a powerful thing. Imagine that a potential conflict is like a small flame. Here's the question, are you a water carrier or a petrol carrier? Be a water carrier. Always seek to put the fires out, to make it better. Amen? Always seek to put the fires out. Strife comes from pride and from an unrestrained tongue. Strife, discord, disunity. So just think this, if we could just control our tongues and just walk in humility, there will be peace and therefore power in the house of God. It's a powerful thing. Let's do the next one. It's a funny one. Before you read, I'll just explain the title. I'm a full stop, not a comma. I sat down for lunch with a, a friend of mine uh, the other week and we got to talking about a, a national figure who's fallen in some, some moral way. And, uh, you know, we just got to the very beginning of the conversation. Then he said, hang on a minute. I've committed in life to be a full stop, not a comma. In other words, when stuff gets to me, it stops there. I'm not one who passes it on. Wise people don't feel the need and the urge to pass on all the gunk, knowing that how you speak is incredibly powerful. 
Let's read it together. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. A fool's mouth. Wow. I want to be a full stop, not a comma. If something whispers negative, true or not, just needs to stop with me. Another major global figure fell in the last 12 months morally. And uh, I was contacted by the organization to say, we just want to explain what's gone on to you as someone who's a, a leader in the United Kingdom. We'd like to explain what's happened and let you know what's going on and reassure you. And if you have any questions, and I, my response was, it's nothing to do with me. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm with you, but I don't need to know any details. That insecure urge to know everything has to go. I'm a full stop, not a comma. When it comes to me, come on, if we could live this, wow, it stops with me. It stops with me. We've got to hurry on. Here's the last one. I'm learning to speak wisely. It's amazing how much the building of a house is around our tongues. It starts in our hearts, but it's around how we speak. And so let's read this one. I'll just bring out a couple of points and then we finish this morning. And in fact, if we've got five minutes while an offering's going on, we're going to open the front up for healing. I'd love to pray for anyone who needs healing this morning. So think about that while we do this last point. Uh, let's read together. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. I like that. <laughs> the top one, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. I remember one of my, one of my first jobs that I had. <laughs> uh, I made fun of the boss at some point. You know, when you're young and stupid and stuff comes out your mouth and you're trying to grab the words in the air and pull it back in. And why on earth did I say that? And I remember <laughs> I made fun of the boss. Guess whose contract wasn't renewed? <laughs> no, life is really practical. You might have gifts, dreams, hopes, strengths. But wisdom builds. In other words, it takes what you've got and says, right, what's the right way to put this together? Well, here's one of the biggest ones. Proverbs got 31 chapters. That's a chapter for every day. You can read it 12 times a year. I've picked a minute amount of these scriptures. It tells us how to live. Live another way? Okay, you want to be dumb? Go ahead. But if you want to live a successful life in God, one of the ways is this. Guard your tongue. Your tongue will get you demoted and promoted. Your tongue will get you uh, loyalty. Your tongue will get you honor. It's a difficult one, isn't it? James says it's hard to tame the tongue. It's restless. But if we can get our tongues under control, wow, how powerful would it be? A friend of mine 
uh, one of the verses there. I love the bits. It says, um, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth. He adds learning to his lips. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. Here's a thought for 2015. How's about we go, I am going to learn to speak well. I'm going to learn how to speak well to my five-year-old son. Because who knows, as a parent in exasperation, sometimes the wrong thing comes out. You know, and Zach walks down the hallway going, oh, blooming neck. And I'm like, oh, I know where he got that from. He goes around saying, A up at the moment, because apparently I say A up a lot at the moment. I don't know. It's the Yorkshire in me coming out. Teach your mouth. Learn to speak to your wife well. It's not automatic. Some guys, you want to slap them and go, idiot, you never say that to your wife. End up in a spare room for a month. Learn to speak to your neighbour well. Learn to speak to your boss well. Learn to speak to your pastor well. Why? Not because it's false, but because it's wise. Our heart has to teach our lips what to say. Watch other people who speak well and then go impersonate it. It'll feel clunky at first, but it'll become great. We're not born automatic encouragers, most of us. Not born automatically pouring all this stuff out. But learn, okay, we're running out of time. Learn. I'm learning to speak wisely. Let's bring up the last slide and go through them all again. So wisdom cries out, I will guard my heart. I embrace correction. I choose my friends wisely. I love truth. I hate strife. I'm a full stop, not a comma. I'm learning to speak wisely. Why? It's going to bless my life. Amen. Let's stand together. It's going to bless my life.